Think about what makes people confident in the world. People are confident in the world when they're successful, when they're educated, when they've achieved things that they've set out to do, all kinds of reasons that we can be confident. And Paul starts to name those for himself. He's like, I have reasons to be confident in who I am, but they mean nothing. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Everything is rubbish compared. It's like garbage compared to what I have found in Christ Jesus. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the How to Study the Bible podcast. My name is Nicole Eunice, and I am your host, your coach, uh, your fellow journeyer through scripture and the series. And we are actually in a little mini series right now called Abundantly Free, which is based on the book of Philippians. And I have been enjoying it so much. It's It's so interesting how God's Word works, because when you begin to not just develop a habit, but love the habit of reading Scripture, uh, you actually discover that even very familiar passages take on new light. And it's like the Bible is this beautiful diamond that as you turn it, it has different facets. And as your life turns and changes, it also then interacts with the Bible in different ways. And so even a very familiar letter, if you've grown up in the church, a familiar letter like the letter to the Philippians can just strike your heart in a new way and give you new strength and encouragement and confidence for your day and for your life. So I want to start off by praying because um, even though this is like I'm walking you guys through a Bible study, I know I really want to I want to come alongside of you from beginning to end. And I think that the way we enter into Scripture is a very important part of our experience with God. And how we want to enter in is not like, I love to describe it when I'm preaching, it's not like we're looking down on the Bible. So if you're sitting somewhere right now or you're um, taking a walk or whatever and you, you think about it, you always look down at what you're reading, if it's on your phone or whatever. And I like to imagine that you would just put both hands on your Bible and pick it up and hold it above your head and read it that way. Like we're underneath God's word. We're not like over the top of it. And part of the way that I try to get my heart in the right place to to enter in as if God's word is over me and I'm asking God to help me discover the truth and revelation within and to give me faith to see it that way. It's a way that I engage with the Bible that's different than let's say a nonfiction book or even a devotion or even, you know, a Bible study. And I I like to write Bible studies and y'all know I write Bible studies for you. This whole podcast is based on the book, Help My Bible is Alive, which is to help you get ready to be able to read the Bible for yourself and encounter God within it. But even so, when we actually go to read the scripture, we want to have revelation from the Spirit of God, and we want to make sure that we're not just staring down at it and picking it apart. And But as we do that, as we do these practices, we're actually engaging as if the Bible was over us and God is pouring out His revelation upon us. I take a simple prayer whenever I open my Bible, even if it's 15 to 20 seconds. I try to take a few deep breaths, and I have a breath prayer, which really is just a simple phrase that I might repeat um, in prayer to God to ask the Spirit of God to place my heart in the right place to receive His Word. So one of those little phrases that I like to kind of breathe in and out for a few seconds is, open my eyes 
to receive your word. Just a very simple, dear God, open my eyes to receive your word. And I will just say that a few times. And I just want to invite you to breathe with me. And we're going to say that a few times as we open up today's lesson. Father, open my eyes to receive your word. Father, open my eyes to receive your word. Father, open our eyes to receive your word. Amen. Okay, so hopefully that gave you just a moment to settle in and be ready to receive what God has for us. We're in Philippians 3, and I'm, I've chosen uh, a couple of verses from Philippians 3 where we're going to focus today. It's verses 12 through 14, and it says this. Again, remember, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. I always try to like remind myself, what am I doing? What am I reading? So that I don't just take that. I don't, I'm just not tempted to pull this out of context and pretend like it's just to me. I really want to engage and like, okay, wait, who's talking? Who's he talking to? What was going on around it? And then I'm going to read the passage. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So when we enter in using the alive method, the method that I teach you through my book, Help My Bible is Alive, when we enter in, we're just asking four simple questions of the text. Now, when you start to ask these questions, you could study for hours and hours, but we're really designing this to be a 15 to 20 minute quiet time with a little piece of scripture where we kind of walk through it and we pull out that one thing. Now, anytime you read a passage, there are innumerable things that you could pull from it. So even though I'm pulling out one thing to talk about together today, it doesn't mean there's only one thing here. There's so many things that we could go with. I'm just going where I'm been, I've been led today. But this is why you can return to a passage over and over again. This is why you can experience it differently over and over again. And I, I, wanna, I would be remiss if I didn't say specifically this whole uh, Philippians passage we went ahead and put this together for you in a digital resource with Ephesians because I had so many people who use the Alive method through Help My Bibles Alive, and they love it, but they they were like, can you give us more help? Can you walk us through a letter? So we put together this 30-day resource that walks you through Philippians and Ephesians. So what you're hearing right now is just a little taste of that. The digital resource has videos that come to your inbox twice a week, and we go through the whole letter, like every verse in the passage, not just these selected ones. But this is just a little taste. And if this is where you are right now in life, and this is helpful to you, I know some of you reach out to me and tell me that you're truck drivers or you're delivery drivers, and you love podcasts. Like This is your place to grow and learn. So if that's uh, meeting your need right here, right now, that is amazing. So just kind of giving you some context on just we're using these couple little verses. I'm going to pull out one thing, but of course, there's so, so many things that could be going on. So when we start to ask the first question of the Alive Method, which is, what does it say? We kind of may need a recap. Like, let's remember what was happening before. So the last two episodes, we talked about Philippians 1 and 2. We talked about from Philippians 1, this idea that there's this great story God gives us of redemption and that our salvation is based in this ability to say that what has happened to me 
has brought about good and that looking at hard things in our life and realizing that God can use them to advance the gospel, that we are actually living for a purpose, is something we want to have at the forefront of our mind. Then Philippians 2, we talked about what does it look like to take this phrase, um, how to work out your salvation? Because of course, we're like, wait, do I have to do something for my salvation? And we talked about what it means to be justified by faith, but that we have a response to make to that, that we have a, a, a response on how that fruit gets born out in our lives, how we work out our salvation, that it's an active faith that God has called us to. And we're going to see that continue in our passage today. And it starts off right at the beginning, not <laughs> that I have already obtained all this. So we know that the I is Paul. So before I can go any further, I want to be like, hmm. And remember, in your first question, what does it say? You should have lots of questions. The way that you know that you're absorbing a passage is because you have questions about the passage. Just don't gloss over anything. Don't assume anything. Stop yourself and be like, okay, not that I've already obtained all this. I'm like, okay, what is all this? We should be asking that question. What is all this? And it goes on and says, or I've already arrived at my goal. So I'm thinking, okay, so he's putting my goal and all of this together. We want to know what is the goal? What is all of this? And then he says, because I press on to take hold of that, which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. So Paul is not giving it away today. Like we are, we're getting a lot of like pronouns. We're getting a lot of like indefinite articles, like stuff that's not telling us what he's talking about. So we, of course, right away are going to be like, okay, what is he talking about? What is that? What is it? He goes on, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. <laughs> but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, I press on toward the goal. So we know we've got some it and some goal. And that's what we want to ask the question, okay, what is it? What What is the goal? And if we look back in the scripture, which is what you want to do, you want to look a little bit ahead and a little bit behind. Because usually, if something like this is going on, and Paul's not telling you exactly what he's talking about, or the writer of whatever passage or book you're reading is not telling you what they're talking about, then you it's probably close by. Like you just You just probably need to look around and see if you can find it. And what we find is that right before this is a whole in chapter three, is Paul talking about this idea of where he gets his confidence. And he's saying, hey, I have a lot of reasons to be confident in the flesh. And what that means is like, I have a lot of worldly reasons to be confident. Think about what makes people confident in the world. People are confident in the world when they're successful, when they're educated, when they've achieved things that they've set out to do, all kinds of reasons that we can be confident. And Paul starts to name those for himself. He's like, I have reasons to be confident in who I am, but they mean nothing nothing. He says, whatever were gains to me, this is verse seven, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Like everything is rubbish compared. It's like garbage compared to what I have found in Christ Jesus. And he talks about, I have gained Christ and I've been found in him and I have a righteousness that comes from him and I want to know, know more of him. And that's what he's saying right before he says, not that I have already obtained all this. So the all this is found earlier in the chapter when he's talking about this idea of the confidence that comes from knowing Christ, that because I know Christ, everything that I could possibly find confidence in that the world could give me might as well be trash 
compared to what it feels like to be in Christ and that I can have a righteousness that comes from Christ. I can know the power of his resurrection. And then this is the part we never like. I can participate in his sufferings. And so I get to know the life of Christ within me. And so when he says, not that I've obtained all of this, he's giving us a vision for what it looks like to live that toward Christ as our goal, as the thing that is worth actively pursuing in life. And when he says Christ, he's he's giving us some of what that means. Confidence in Christ, the resurrection life of Christ, the sufferings of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, like all of that he's putting together as his all this. So now asking that question, what does it say? You're like, okay, now I know what we're talking about. When he says, not that I've already, already obtained all of this, he's saying, not that I've already experienced this to the fullness, not that I've experienced this all the way, but I am going to press on to take hold of this. And he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this is what I do. So now if you're asking yourself the question, well, how would you do that? Because you would probably want to know that. I mean, if this is like Paul is basing his entire life off of this, he's he's giving this to us. It is still relevant and pertinent to us 2000 plus years after it has been written. We would want to know like why this is the deal. And remember, Paul's in prison. Paul has suffered for the gospel. And he is leading this new group of believers in the way into why it is so important and why it is so amazing to be in Christ, to obtain, quote, quote, all of this is what he's talking about in Philippians 3. So when we're asking, what does it say? Now we have a better sense of what it's saying so that when we get into that last verse or that sort of last verse in our passage, it's the how. So he says, brothers and sisters, this is how I do it. I'm not there yet, but this is how I do it. In verse 13, forgetting what is behind. So you should ask yourself, what is behind? (laughs) Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what does it say? Well, we know that it's saying that there is something, this all this that we're pursuing. We know that Paul is telling us how to do it. It's about forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Remember, this is always written in a personal context. So like, what is Paul forgetting? It's a, it, Specifically, Paul was writing a letter. He's writing personally about his experience. He's saying, this is how I do this. The way that I do this is I forget what is behind and I strain on toward what is ahead. Now, if you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul, you know his backstory. If you have not read his backstory, you can find it in the book of Acts. And the Apostle Paul was like the chief persecutor of Christians. He was a really good Jewish guy. And as a really good Jewish leader, he believed that Jesus was a blasphemous religious sect, and he was like actively and violently pursuing killing Christians. And he has this amazing encounter with Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, who appears to him and says, Paul, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I believe he still uses his name, Saul. His name changes to Paul in this sort of transformed life that he's living. So when we know about Paul, that he's been living some life, like he had a life before Jesus, And just because he's in Jesus doesn't mean he has forgotten the life that he had before. And sometimes I think we can sort of separate ourselves from the Bible as if it's not like a real human being. Like Paul was a real human being who oversaw the murder, like an unjust murder of one of the first Christians, like Stephen. You can read about it in Acts. Like think about that. 
most of us, some of us do, but most of us don't have to wrestle with that level of violence in life. And, and Paul did. And so when he says to you and to me and to these early believers, hey, this is how I do it. Like I had reason to be confident in who I was and look where it led me. The confidence that he had in his worldly achievements is what led him to this place where he was violently persecuting Christians. And he says, this is how I do it. This is how I leave this behind. I just, I forget what is behind and I put my eyes ahead and I am straining on toward what I have in Christ to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what it's saying is that he calls it settled. He calls what has happened before in his life settled. It doesn't mean that he doesn't remember it, but he makes a conscious choice to say, I will not set my mind on things from behind. I am going to set my mind on things ahead. Not only that, but when Paul sets his mind ahead, he's not just setting his mind ahead to earthly things. He's saying in scripture, no, like I press on to the goal, which calls me heavenward. Oh, my friends, if we could have a better grasp of our place in eternity and how these light and momentary troubles that we're experiencing in life and particularly in this very season, how small they are compared to eternity. And that when we think about what this is all about, when Paul talks about winning, he's not talking about winning over somebody. He's not talking about winning a financial prize or winning an achievement or winning approval. He's saying, I am pressing on to win. And to win is to make it to the glory of heaven. Like that's what this life is about. And it's like, it's just lifting our eyes off of the everyday life stuff to say like all of this stuff, like what I'm pressing for, what I'm going for is to, to end this earthly life with a job well done where I, I kept on forgetting what it was behind and straining toward what was ahead and pursuing all of this stuff that I can find and have in Christ. I just, I spent my life doing that. And, and what I love is that Paul goes from being like just eminently practical about our everyday lives. Like in our last episode, we, we wrote a list of ways and, we, and, and in our next episode, we'll do it again. We wrote a list of ways that you can work out your salvation, right? It's like do things without complaining, like do things without arguing. We had all of these like everyday practical ways that it works out. And then Paul sort of, I just feel like he's like grabbing us by the shoulders and he's lifting our eyes to say, yeah, you're doing all of these practical things in your everyday, but the reason you're doing them is because we have this like prize in the, in the relationship we have with Jesus Christ and in our, in our, in our call heavenward, like that's what we're doing. We're doing something because our citizenship is in heaven, as it says in chapter four. So what does it say? What's the backstory? I kind of skipped over that. We did. What's the backstory? <laughs> Sorry. I'm very passionate about this chapter. The third thing is, what does it mean? And so if I was writing in my journal, we had done this little bit of work. We were looking at like, okay, what is all of this and how do we do it? And what does it mean? I would probably write as my principle for today, our ultimate aspirations are realized in heaven. Like I can have, I can have earthly aspirations and I do. And so do you, like I have earthly goals. So do you, but man, our ultimate goal, our ultimate aspiration, the great race we're running is about being realized in heaven, like the glory and the gift of heaven 
is where we're going to ultimately realize all that is this earth, like all that we're doing here, all of this working out our salvation, all of this pressing on toward what is ahead will be realized in heaven. So what does that mean for you? That's the final question of our episode today. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for you to think about forgetting what is behind? What does it mean for you to ask yourself, not that I've obtained all of this, but but that as present and active as any goal you have in your life, as, as present and active as the goal you have to, I don't know, lose some weight or start working out or do a better job with Sabbath or whatever, like what if your ultimate goal was like Paul's ultimate goal? He's like, hey, not that I've obtained all of this, but I am pressing on on. And can you say what all of this is? So that's my final charge for you. My hope for you is that you could ask yourself the question, what does it mean for me that my ultimate aspiration is realized in heaven? And what would change about today because of that? All right, you guys, thanks for being here with me. Always, always love it. And I will talk with you next episode. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice a production of lifeaudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at nicoleunis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help. My Bible is Alive, and you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.